We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied traditional territory of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations of the Coast Salish peoples. In some parts of Canada, treaties were signed with First Nations that gave incoming settlers rights to much of the land, while in other areas, few or no treaties were signed. Unceded land was never given or legally signed away to Britain or Canada. It was stolen and continues to be occupied and governed by settlers today. As we live, work, surf and play, we are grateful to the Métis, Inuit and Indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and from around the world who have stewarded these lands and sacred surf spots for thousands of years. We recognize their amazing resistance, resilience and strength in the face of ongoing dispossession, colonial violence and injustice. In particular, we wish for justice to be brought for the murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls from across our country. We believe that for true healing and harmony to occur, we must reflect and speak up about oppression while working together as we move forward in truth and reconciliation. We can be better, we can do better. Freshies, welcome to Permastoke. I am your host, Derek Hyatt. In this podcast, we talk to your favorite surfers and stand-up paddleboarders from across the Great Lakes, Canada, the U.S., and beyond. Take a peek into their lives and find out what it means to be stoked. Is it a natural state of euphoria, elation, a relentless commitment? I also talk to other Permastoke individuals related to surf culture, such as artists, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, musicians, philanthropists, yogis, and much more. Join me in learning from these field experts and enthusiasts while being inspired by their undying passion, insights, and rad tales. Permastoke is brought to you by Freshwater Surf Kids, your surf brand devoted to spreading the stoke across the unsalted seas and cultivating pride amongst the surf community. We do this by providing products and apparel that celebrate what makes both Great Lakes and Canadian surf culture so special. Stand out in the tribe by rocking our signature tee that features rad monoline illustrations of surfers shredding it up on each of the Great Lakes. Visit freshwatersurfbids.com for yours today. And be sure to check out our stand-up paddleboard school. With future plans to relocate to Southern Ontario, we currently offer basic and advanced courses private lessons, tours, custom experiences, and sup yoga in the waterways of beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Connect with Mother Ocean, have fun, enjoy good company, and the West Coast sights and wildlife as you take your skills from okay to killer with a Paddle Canada certified instructor. If you'd rather stay dry, check out our Great Vibes Yoga Meditation and Healing Program. Aloha is a life force energy of loving and living in harmony with all my relations. Through movement, mantra, meditation, and breath, our classes reveal to seekers how to merge with their higher self so they may spread great vibrations and the spirit of aloha throughout the global consciousness. We use powerful technologies such as kundalini yoga and the Hawaiian art of ho'oponopono to calm the nervous system and leave you feeling uplifted and in harmony with mind, body, and spirit. 
Enjoy community, connection, and a chill atmosphere filled with great vibes and sacred ancient teachings delivered with humor and integrity. In this episode, I chat with Canadian pro surfer and star of the film Transition, Noah Cohen. You'll hear about Noah's childhood growing up in Tofino during the tense times of hippies versus the logging industry and being able to surf after school when most kids were going home to watch cartoons. You'll also learn about the role fitness plays in Noah's surfing, the influence that Pete DeVries and both Raf and Sepp Ruweiler have played in his career, his wacky adventures driving through a snowstorm with Larry Cabrero, must-see classic surf films, and much more. This episode was recorded on July 16th, 2020, and features explicit language. Parental discretion is advised. Noah, welcome to Permastoke. How's it going, dude? Hey, buddy. How are you? Right on, man. I'm good. It's great to see you. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for yeah, having me. No problem. So where am I talking to you from today? I am at my tiny cluttered home in Tofino, British Columbia, Canada. Nice. Um, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> A glorified storage closet, basically. Perfect. Yeah. So have you been out surfing today yet? or? I actually haven't. Normally, I, I gave you an 11 o'clock time out here so I could surf this morning, but I woke up and it was like so socked in with fog and, and kind of gross out. And I decided to do a little uh, living room floor fitness instead. Oh, <laughs> so that's right how on. I've occupied my morning so far. Right on. So what does that regime look like? How do you keep in shape when you're not surfing? Uh, to be honest, like through the last few months, like through basically this kind of COVID period, I've surfed so much that I haven't really done a whole lot of cross training. I usually try and do like, if I'm, if I'm not in the water, you know, more than once a day, I'll try and like supplement it with at least something so i'm moving or whatever i'm kind of one of those people that like i've all had these days where i'm like oh, i'm just gonna be lazy today and like halfway through i'm like there's no freaking way i'm gonna be able to sit around oh yeah. <laughs> sorry there's a there's a one-year-old trying to walk in i i live with my friend's family and like oh, a little nice. suite so we have a little a kid so he occupies some time too he likes to come oh, and hang cool. out yeah i saw the door open but no person it's sort of a little creepy like uh a... <laughs> yeah he the, the kid probably he's getting to the age where he can like literally unlatch the door and push it open himself so she, he probably opened it and then mom probably realized that i was doing something oh, important nice. cool man cool <laughs> yeah so you know in surfing where does fitness sort of play a role like do most pro guys take that seriously or do they just do a lot of people think that out on the surf is enough of a workout or yeah that's a great question honestly like i think in the last kind of decade if you're looking at the tour athletes it's, it's become like there's nobody on the world tour that's not doing some sort of dryland training whereas like maybe 15 or 20 years ago all the tour guys just kind of drank beer and hung out and like surfed and that was their their vibe and i think as people began to train more the gap widened between those who were and those who weren't and it was kind of like you either you know put up or get left in the dust kind of thing so yeah. i think that's a big reason why you see it around the competitive athletes because you just couldn't hang if you if you didn't do it okay. i don't really compete but um i just like happen to be like a food and fitness nerd overall and i i really like enjoy you know trying to figure out a way to optimize my my own performance even though i'm not doing it to win a heat i just like to live a lifestyle that allows me to you know perform at my best in the water but also feel my best and 
and you know whether it's whether it's based around food or whether it's based around exercise is just stuff that I've always been interested in. So I think that's my motivator is just to live a good, long, healthy life and and be right. happy with where I'm at. I think, but um, most free surfers like they don't really train unless they have that same mentality as I just said, where they're you know doing it on a personal level. Like you don't really have to brush a bunch of push ups to be a free surfer. Like most of those guys are chilling and drinking beer on trips and and eating whatever they want and just surfing a ton because it's such a good workout. Nice. So what kind of uh, workout is really helpful for surfing? Um, it totally depends on where you're at. And I, I think it totally depends on your body type. Like if you're a super, you know, a super lean, like kind of gangly person, maybe like kind of heavier weights and trying to build muscle and work on stuff that's going to allow your your power surfing to to improve would, you know, like literally like Olympic lifting or, or you know, low reps, heavy weights kind of thing. Um, but yeah, conversely, if you're a bigger guy already, maybe it's just like leaning out and shedding, shedding body fat and, and like core and kind of hit type training. So it can, it can be different for every individual. I think for me personally, I feel like I surf my best when I'm a little leaner. Like I tend to, I tend to feel, especially out here, we're serving a lot of mushy, crappy beach break. And I've gone through periods where I get all into like, Oh, I'm going to lift heavy and like bulk up. And then I'm like, fuck, I am not surfing well at all because of this, unless the waves are pumping, but it's already serving pumping waves is already a lot easier than surfing shitty waves. So for me personally, I like to be in like good cardio shape, obviously, you know, a lot of core and just a lot of kind of fast twitchy type of training and the slow, like heavy load stuff is, it is great sometimes, but I don't think that's like the kind of thing that breeds a good surf body per se. Um, I had a pretty major knee surgery like five years ago and coming out of that was when I kind of like got super into training and you just kind of have to. Um, and at the time the guy I was working with, who's an amazing strength and conditioning coach, and a good friend, um, Jim, he was like super into lifting heavy from what I had experienced before. Like I had never really done any of that. So we worked a lot on like really building that power back. And, and, uh, uh, like I said, I felt amazing when the waves are good. I felt like I really did work on my, my power surfing and it helped a lot. But then when the waves are small, I was like on 10 pounds heavier than I used to be. And it's not necessarily a benefit. So yeah, I I think it, it, it does just change depending on, depending on the person, but it's, uh, again, it's really cool to play with too. Like I love knowing that I felt like that at 165 and now I'm like one. 50 and knowing how I feel and, and all those middle kind of steps of like, okay, what, what allowed me to do each individual aspect of surfing the best and kind of trying to like amalgamate that all together and, and, uh, and figure out like your total optimal self. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've ranged in weight, usually anywhere between 200 to 220. And, yeah. you know, and I've been around 220 in fairly good shape, a little more, you know, mass or bulked up, but how, uh, in, how tall are you? I'm six, four. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's even of, pretty lean for a guy that's six, four, right? Like, yeah. But in terms of surfing, I love being closer to that 200. It really makes a difference. And, uh, so, so you've noticed the same thing essentially that I Yeah. Said. Yeah. Cool. So now I'm in that kind of happy medium right around 210. So I can sort of do whatever, but I was into Fino. What was it? Um, two weeks ago and so I hadn't been there since um, last November and in the interim I actually got my bronze cross so I've been doing lots of swimming lots and lots of swimming and man I cannot believe that I mean I can believe it it made a hell of a difference for my surf like my paddling oh I was able to get out you know further than normal with less energy it was a 
a way better experience overall. That's really cool too. Cause I hear so many friends, like I have a ton, actually a crew in town from Whistler right now who they're all like amazing snowboarders and amazing athletes, but they only get to surf a handful of time mm-hmm. times in a year. So they come out and like those first three or four days are dedicated to like literally just getting the arms back. So yeah. it's cool to hear you say like, okay, you can actually bring something else and, and feel like it's made a world of difference. Cause I hear so often from people that go long periods without surfing that it's just so hard to get it back you know like it so is, hard to cross yeah. train for that yeah um swimming obviously makes the most sense but even still i've heard a lot of people that swim are like fuck i can't paddle so yeah. i don't know and i can't swim can like oh, okay. i jump in the lake and try and swim and i'm horrible so wow, it definitely yeah. doesn't necessarily go both ways but it, yeah. for sure it's cool to hear you uh, experience that yeah. it's hard enough you know just to stand up and ride a wave that if you can <laughs> you know have some extra confidence maybe with the paddling or something you know one less thing to worry about right totally and that's exactly what we like it too it's like man snowboarding you just get to like hop on a chair and start in your bindings going down like imagine if surfing was just already surfing when you did the first day like we'd all probably be a lot better at it so there's so many variables that are just uh, you know tough to acquire and take a long long dedicated road so i just watched the uh transition video last night um and you know it's pretty heartbreaking that part where you had your injury in iceland and uh you know you're preparing to come back and you're you're told that you might not ever be surfing professionally again and then you do it in six months right so yeah how did that change your outlook on taking care of yourself or the vulnerability of the body and this life or your career? Like, Yeah, that's that's a I mean, very good question as well. I feel like at the time, yeah, I, I just didn't know what to expect at all. I'd never had an injury. Like I'd, you know, had probably strained some ligaments in an ankle or something, but I never had anything where they were like, oh yeah, you might not ever feel normal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely, I remember just, oh, down goes oh. the phone. <laughs> I think we're... <laughs> Sorry, back. Yeah, I'm trying to rest this with the earphone jack. All right. Oh, nice. There we go. You were, um, you were in a tube. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's kind of like this shelf is here. We're already in a tube here. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, definitely a lot of like mental uncertainty and not really knowing what I was going to feel like on the other end of, of waking up from the surgery, I guess. And I was so lucky. Like I had all the tools that allowed me to go through the rehab while, like, you know, I obviously had the time and the, I was still getting paid to be a surfer. So right away that, um, you know, I noticed like the amount of, of time I dedicated to the rehab would have been a real challenging thing for someone who worked a nine to five to be able to do. Mm. Um, and I think I came out of it super well because of that. Like I, I really did give it everything I had. And it was like my driving force for that entire year was like, I quit drinking. I ate everything I thought I should be eating, like literally Googled every little tip for like, you know, relieving inflammation and, and getting that mobility back right away. And I had like the SNC coach that I mentioned, I had a physio that I was working with like literally every day. And I was given these opportunities, mostly pro bono too, which was great because that's an expensive market to be in. Um, given all these opportunities to allow myself to get that. And, and my sponsors, like, I think Rip Curl actually gave me a raise the year after I tore my knee apart. So like, wow. again, like they were just like, you know, m- my boss at Rip Curl, Nick was like, man, it was really cool to see you put so much into it. And that showed me that, you know, you show me what you, 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 where your priorities were and what you cared about. And, and that was really cool too, to feel like supported the whole way through. So I felt like I had this kind of like perfect storm to be able to, to weather that whole injury really. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's, like the year later I was starting to like you know it took a while like I still didn't feel like normal for probably 15 or 18 months or so um I surfed in a brace for a long time after mm. 
but to slowly like realize like, Oh, I don't even know what size my weak side anymore. Like even if I get in the gym and do single leg stuff, I don't even, you know, have, I'm not, it's not like all oh, the left side's weak. Like it's just two normal legs again. So yeah, it was, it was, it was cool, but definitely a lot of like mental turmoil at the beginning, more just like having no idea what's going to happen and like, okay, do I have to seek out a new job and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So no, I, I was afforded a lot of good like luxuries that I think a lot of, you know, like your normal person wouldn't have. And, and I think that's why people don't fully recover from those injuries mm. it's because they just simply can't find the time to put in what they need to put in on that that rehab train yeah that must have been you know quite a great feeling to to feel embraced and supported by your sponsors and everything to really just dedicate yourself to that yeah it's huge because i think even like along with that uncertainty of not knowing if you'll surf at a super high level again that's the next biggest uncertainty is am I going to continue getting paid or like, should I be like, you know, enrolling in university right now or something? Yeah, really. It's, it's a, it's, you know, it's normal life stuff. And I, I'm well aware that at some point I'm going to have to figure out a second profession, but it's nice to know that you have a few more years going. So, right on, yeah. um, and people yeah. love that. People love that recovery story. And, you know, it's sort of like the Rocky Balboa kind of story, right? Like, so the fact that people could follow you through that journey of injured to then getting back, I would imagine the sponsors and everything would love that determination and, and selling that story as well. Yeah. And, and I know Nate <laughs> did a really good job of, of putting that together. But um, even throughout that, that year after the surgery, I tried to be really active on social media to show those those progression stages and, and show that it wasn't necessarily like always easy and fun. Yeah. Like you're working hard and just try and be real and transparent. And and to me as an athlete who's getting paid to produce content, essentially, like that was the content I had. And I thought it was like a, a nice opportunity to allow like a window into something a bit more personal and something, you know, a lot more people in this country are going to go through than being a professional surfer. Right. So, yeah, you know, there's going to be a, a far more torn ACLs than there will be pro surfers in Canada. That's, that's for sure. So it's nice yeah, for them for to be real. like, okay, what's working, what's working for him maybe works for me damn this again um but yeah no it's it was great and and to be honest i actually um i just found out i after all this talk about how well i recovered i i just found out i toured again like two months ago um but it hasn't been hasn't really been causing me any issues like i i have no acl at the moment but i've been surfing like 100 percent and and it hasn't really bothered me at all. So I'm just kind of like wow. rolling with no ACL, I think, for a bit. Um, yeah. And again, there's so much like, there's so many things that you kind of have to look at when you're saying, okay, am I going to take a year off to fix this thing? Mm-hmm. As opposed to like operate at like 95%, you know, it's it's hard not to just go that route at, at this stage in my career, where if I was 25 and I had all that support and, yeah. and knowing that was ahead of me, maybe I would fix it right away. So yeah, yeah it's kind of like a, it's, it's round two, but like a totally different fight this time. Nice, yeah. Here reminds me actually of a WWE wrestler Triple H back in the day he uh, had a similar thing he did something to his leg and he was out for like a year um, but he never left the hospital like he never went home he just just training that's all he did he was just committed to getting back in the ring and I think he did it within a year and and it was a similar kind of thing you might not ever wrestle again right yeah when I mean I had this like mentality at the beginning that was kind of like it's easy to think why me like why does this happen to me all my you know look at peter look at all my peers that are surfing well and they don't have to deal with it so you can easily go down that why me like kind of street yeah. but my mentality was kind of like why not me why can't i rip 
recover faster than anyone has before. Why can't I like I, I tore three ligaments in my knee. I was like, why can't I keep pace with just an ACL recovery? You know, like I had all these goals that were like probably almost bordering on stupid because yeah. they weren't necessarily achievable, but it kept me working that hard. And, and then in the end, you know, I, I definitely wasn't on the same exact timeline as, as a standard ACL surgery, but I was only a couple of weeks behind, which, you know, was, was probably two months ahead of where I expected to be when I got the surgery. So things like that, I think really, you know, you can kind of like break down this, this border that your mind creates. It's essentially when someone's like, oh, it's going to be six weeks, something's going to be six weeks if you think so. But mm-hmm. if you think you can do it in four, then you've just removed a giant kind of dam that's not going to let you get there, right? So yeah. to wow. me, that was my mentality. It was like, well, fuck, why can't I be someone who does something different you know yeah power of Um, power of thought power of intention nice totally and and to that degree too you can still continue being a really good surfer in your brain that whole year Mm. you sit out like you can watch surf movies you can you can you know just imagine yourself doing things and and find a way to to keep that like kind of brain to body connection going and and i think there's i mean there's tons of science that supports that ideology so i'm not like out to lunch saying it or, or whatever but yeah. it's it's pretty cool to like you know you put that much thought energy into something and it really doesn't go away like you're you're just replaying things you've already done a thousand times so right in that year like yeah i didn't get in the water for six or seven months but i still watch surf movies all the time and like thought about surfing and then you get back in the ocean and all your your muscles still remember what to do nice yeah break out the nes and play that old did you ever see that tnc surf designs game i remember it but i don't think i ever played it oh, okay yeah that was my favorite game i feel like it was like wood rage or i i forget but it was this like gorilla dude and he surfed the wave is pretty awesome and this little like tiki dude on a skateboard yeah like super hawaiian vibe yeah it was obviously cool TNC. Yeah, yeah so going back a little bit you mentioned and uh you know coronavirus man so what is this COVID-19 looked like for you surfing in Tofino? How has that affected anything? Um, As a surfer, I think probably like very little compared to what most people have gone through. I mean, we still have been allowed to go out surfing every single day, even at, you know, it's it's early stages when there was, again, a lot of uncertainty and a lot of almost, you know, collective panic going on. We we always were afforded the luxury of getting to go to the beach. They did close a lot of the the national park beaches, so we were kind of like pigeonholed to only surfing Cox Bay the whole time. Um, But other than that, it was like free reign and and to like just have that I was so thankful and I feel like it was so easy to be happy and positive about the whole thing you're obviously yeah. you know you don't get to play with your friends or anything but that that yeah. time in the water still allows like some form of social interaction so I think it scratched a few itches in in that regard too and and just to be able to be active and outside like that was so huge and and looking around at the world and watching people's lives and what they were experiencing it was it was a really easy time to find something to be thankful for out here yeah. um, yeah. Um, unfortunately, it's it's been tough for the industry. Obviously, a lot of the companies have, have severed team riders or, or significantly, you know, cut their pay because they're not getting any sales. So, in in that regard, I've definitely had a few uh, unfortunate instances where I've, you know, I'm definitely losing money. But overall, I'm I'm okay. I've financially still at this point. And I think, again, like you just be thankful for what you have and try to, you know, maybe simplify things. And it can be almost a, a good wake up call of like, okay, what do I really need? And what is this, like how much of this stuff is literally just stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I, there's been a lot of, yeah, go ahead, sir. No, I was going to say, I found it interesting in Tofino two weeks ago, you know, you, you know, when you're, when you're coming to the town every once in a while, you know, you want to just go in to live to surf and browse around or, you know, just look at cool stuff, see what's new. And you couldn't do that. 
Like you go to this desk outside and, you know, you tell somebody what you want and they go in and grab it. It just obviously isn't the same. And I could tell that's obviously going to hurt a lot of business right there. I mean, the rentals were still going, the food was still selling, but it definitely was not the same. Yeah, no one's one's just cruising through and shopping and kind of like, you know, fondling things on a clothing rack anymore. It's like, oh, you either know the t-shirt you want or you don't get to come in. So you said, or or the bar wax or leash or whatever. So the it's great that they've managed to be open in any capacity. I'm sure, you know, otherwise it would be really tough, but yeah, it's totally, totally different. That said, you visited two weeks ago, like we're talking two months ago, the the vibe of the town now, it's like, I I would say the last couple of days, we commented on it being as busy as we've ever seen it at any time in our whole lives. Like let that sink in for a minute. Like any summer weekend, anytime town is friggin' slammed. It's completely back to normal in that like and you have no internet <laughs> and you have no international yeah. travelers. They're just it's crazy and, people, yeah. And I don't I shouldn't say, you know, big quotes like that because someone could probably just track a number of residents of town and tell me I'm out to lunch. But okay. The feel of town is as slammed as any summer weekend ever is. Um, okay. but I mean hey, you you take a whole province and say you can't leave for two months and then as soon as you get this little like speck of leeway, where are they gonna go? To the beach in Tofino. Yeah. Like it it makes all the sense right? Yeah. It's not like it's super weird or anything, but um, it definitely doesn't feel dead anymore. And I think the town you experienced was more to, to that likeness than the, those initial two or, uh, or three weeks um, back in kind of mid-March. Those were those were like almost eerie. Like you drive downtown and there'd be no cars parked on the side of the road, nobody mm-hmm. strolling like that, especially that first kind of two weeks where people didn't, didn't were genuinely concerned about catching COVID even here. Yeah. Um, it was pretty, pretty weird and pretty neat though. It, it reminded me of when I was a kid. Like we haven't seen Tofino look like that in 30 years so i think there was like this nostalgia in a way too right um but but as far as the surf went like everyone was on surf um everyone had all this time like the waves weren't empty by any means like it was probably more more crowded than yeah really pro servers yeah all over the pro servers wow that's awesome yeah Yeah, i I, I was there canada day and i'll say that you know in terms of riding waves it i never felt it so spacious before i mean i had lots of room to to do what i want that you know the beach wasn't packed but uh i was visiting Catherine brewiler the day after and she told me that actually like post canada day was even busier than canada day so yeah i was i was away for a couple days around there but i do remember being like oh i thought the weekend ended and now it's like that's the difference right now too like yesterday was was wednesday and we're looking around and be like this feels like a Saturday, you know, like okay. it doesn't, it doesn't have that like black and white of five days slow down and then two days get crazy. And, you know, okay. where even in, in the on season of tourism, usually you have a little bit of that, like kind of ebb and flow feel with the weekends and weekdays. Whereas like what she said is exactly bang on. It's like, you don't even know what's a weekend anymore. Just yeah. like we're going. And there's so many people that still don't have jobs right now that mm. it, that makes sense too, right? Like everyone's either working remotely or not working at all or kind of trickling back. So it just allows this freedom to continue visiting, which I mean, again, like you kind of said, the local economy is probably stoked that it's happening. But uh, I think there's for sure people who are worried about COVID that are like, okay, round two is coming in hot, you know? Yeah, yeah, man. Pro server. I'm going to miss my pro serving mm. days. I, I go back, I start a new full-time job in, you know, what, two weeks or something. So I had, coming, uh, coming out of Serb retirement? Yeah, coming out of Serb retirement. Yeah. yeah, back to the real world. But yeah. yeah, it'll be a new start. I'm excited for that. Though. Yeah, and I mean, hey, like how many months can you do nothing for, right? Yeah. I'm sure you had a lot of shit going on, but it's, it's yeah. funny, like after a while, you're like, okay, I wouldn't mind a little. 
a little something yeah. to happen. It's like skyrocketed things. It gave me time to work on this freshwater surf goods brand. I've been, you know, trying to launch forever. Um, got the podcast launched during this time. I've been able to, you know, figure out, I've been trying to move to Ontario, back to Ontario for quite a while. Um, was able to take the time to actually apply for a job and get that. So I know so surf has, has been very uh, hard on a lot of people and I get that and I don't want to downplay that. Um, obviously in the deaths and, and the impact it's had on families, but in another sense, in just a sort of a life sense, I feel like it's taken me back to the eighties or something like things have just been so chill and cool and more laid back and more time for family and, and things that matter. Yeah, there's definitely, like you touched upon, it's, it's a, obviously a pretty devastating thing to deal with, but there are plenty of silver linings that you can grab from it. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that's the huge one too, right? You're suddenly you have time to spend with people you actually want to spend time with. Mm. You can kind of like remove yourself from the rat racy vibe that we've created for ourselves and, and yeah. take, take a little bit of a look back and, and make changes hopefully that allow you to move in a better direction once we're on the other side of this. And isn't it amazing how we had all these appointments and things to do before, and then all of a sudden they're just all canceled and life goes on. Everything's fine. Yeah, <laughs> very true. And it's crazy how much you can do over this little box of technology compared to having to travel around and shake hands and say hello in person every second day or whatever. Yeah. And I've actually found, you know, some people say, oh, electronic communication is not the same. I've found that people are hungrier for connection that these calls and zoom calls have been actually very meaningful for sure yeah i think you're probably like the fourth or fifth type like this type of interview or, or something um that i've done and most of them have been with people that i literally had never met you know you and i had never spoken a word to each other never seen each other face yeah. to face and you can just kind of like click in and be fine and i think yeah. that it's cool to, to see it like like you said just kind of works so well right yeah yeah it's it's a different time it's created a shift in in consciousness and people's i think how they respond to others and it's it's meeting a, a need that we didn't even know we had necessarily totally yeah so man so tofino born and born and bred you know born and bred i actually <laughs> i feel the need to always mention this that i technically was not born in tofino hospital we were okay. we were here until the day the day of and then uh, i think my mom had like high blood pressure or something and she had to go to Nanaimo hospital because it was a little like sketchy to, to keep her here. So okay. my my passport and birth certificate are permanently tainted thanks to that. Okay. Nanaimo is my birthplace, but we've lived here our whole lives. Yeah. So I, for all intents and purposes, I'm a Tofino born and bred, but I, I like to be transparent. So my friends don't give me a hard time. Nanaimo, home <laughs> of the Nanaimo bar and Noah Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah. So, so yeah, born in exactly. Nanaimo and then, you know, back to Tofino a couple days later. Right. On. Yeah, yeah. So what did that look like growing up in that environment? I mean, it was a really, definitely a really different time then. all the, the tourism and stuff that we just spoke about was kind of not, not present at all through the nineties. And it was definitely more of a, like kind of a, a resource type town fishing and logging were obviously big industry and there was a there was quite a bit as we touched upon the in the film as well in transition that kind of you know the dispute between the environmentalist type locals and and the loggers and and more blue collary redneck types it was literally like hippies versus rednecks growing up and really we were pretty pretty well entrenched in camp hippies so that was kind of 
the side that I knew. But um, yeah, it was a pretty interesting time for sure. A lot of like a lot of just even divisiveness between like even as a kid, you're like, oh, you can't go play at that guy's house because their parents think this or whatever. Like, oh, and it, wow. I don't it's think like my a political divide. Totally. Yeah. And it, and, it, and it literally trickled down into like two kids at the playground. Right. Because you're like, oh, Stevie's family wants to cut the trees down and Sean's family wants to keep them up. So fuck those wow. kids or whatever, you know, yeah. like it, it, it's such a crazy thing to, to like trickle down into into literally children but um so there's a bit of that going on and i have these like little flashes of memories of that type of stuff and then you know watching my dad be part of those protests and like literally lying down in front of logging trucks and stuff um that kind of stuff like i it's cool to be able to remember you know and and to truly like sometimes read stuff written about that time or during that time and it's like cool to like actually remember those feelings as a three or four or five year old you know like i can vividly remember being at the black hole when like midnight oil played a concert and like these like super early flashes of memories that were like such cornerstones of, of, of our town i guess right yeah. so um i i'm pretty grateful to have been here for that and and to vaguely remember it and then yeah i mean i'm grateful for what it's become too because it's obviously allowed me to do what i do yeah. um like all these these tourists and visitors more or less support an economy that allows pro surfing or, or surfing at, at all to, to pay bills so yeah. it's uh it's you know, I, I have a lot of gratitude. I try not to complain about town ever being busy because I realize how dramatically connected that is to, to what I do. Yeah. Um, and dude, I've been posting photos of surfing secret spots around Tofino for the last 20 years. If anything's crowded, like point to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Point to point to us. Like it, yeah. we're we're like problem number one. So I mean, it's not it's not like it's lost on me or anything. Obviously, I, I get that. So um, I'm sorry to everyone <laughs> who wishes it was less busy. Yeah, uh, we didn't mean to. We we're just trying to make a buck. Right on. <laughs> That's yeah. a joke. I've, a joke. I've always <laughs> felt that I've always felt the guys from Tofino, you know, really sharing the stoke. No one has ever kind of come off to me as you know, don't come around here kind of a thing. It's pretty inviting place i would no. imagine the tourism as well also maybe kind of helped some of that you know hippies versus loggers in the sense that maybe it's kept some of the trees around when industry sort of shifted for sure and i think that everyone just realized you can't keep extracting whether it's fish or whether it's trees or, or whatever like you can't just keep taking 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 but it's a non-renewable resource it just runs out yeah. and you know tourism has its pitfalls too obviously that travel alone like it's not like it's this perfectly green industry but mm. You know, it's a lot greener than cutting down old growth cedar or, or overfishing or whatever. So I think, you know, it's the the lesser of a few evils for sure. And I'm happy our town went that direction because you look around Vancouver Island, Fino doesn't differ geographically that much than say like Port Renfrew or Atassis or a, a Gold River. And all those communities aren't anything like what ours is. Mm. And all they have is that like marginal fishing season or a little bit of forestry. And you're kind of like, okay, well, we clearly did something correctly because we have this influx of mostly, you know, out of town money constantly supporting local industry and allowing growth and, 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 you know, allowing young families to remain here. Like when I was a kid, so many people just left, like uh-huh. it, it, so many people left because they didn't want their kid going to high school here or like, you know, they wanted this opportunity or whatever that was not present in Tofino. Whereas now I think those opportunities are becoming more and more present because of the, of the growth of our town and, and what now resides here because of, of tourism. So it's kind of like had this like cyclical effect where, you know, you're allowing kids to surf through their teens 
teens because their parents aren't worried about where they're going to end up anymore. Yeah. So it's, it, it, it's really affected the surf community positively. You look at like the, the Olin sisters and Reed and, and, you know, the Porter sisters, all these like young kind of up and coming, really good surfers that are, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 20 years ago, those families would have just moved away until they were, you know, finished high school. Yeah. So now seeing that being present and, and watching those, those young surfers get the opportunities that, you know, a lot of others didn't get is, is really cool as well. Yeah. So how does that feel for you? You must be a, a role model to a lot of, you know, younger kids and uh, their parents would probably look up to you as a success story, right? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think it, I think you kind of almost forget that like I, I turned 31 this year and I almost forget that that's a thing. Like in, in a way I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm, I, you know, I am looked upon as that I'm sure from the younger surfers, but I really think like, especially with as like Reed and, and the Olins, like they're just friends of mine. Like, mm. yeah, they're, they're 10 to 15 years younger, but I see them in the water every day and we shoot the shit and hang out and like, we'll go on surf camping trips. And, you know, I'm sure I guess there is that, that kind of mentor side of things, but it's, it's great to have like a, a good little personal relationship and, and friendship with those types of surfers. And yeah, I mean, it, it's hopefully like guys like Peter and I can show like, Hey, this is what's possible. I mean, Peter raised a family, bought a house, did all the, the things that a normal human would on a surf salary and enjoyed his life the whole way. So I think that yeah. is like the prime example of like, Hey, it can be done. Um, and he's a really intelligent guy who probably would have gone and, you know, studied something and, and done big things outside of surfing had he chose that route. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the ideal role model that you're setting for a kid is don't necessarily like be a burnout and surf all day, but mm-hmm. you know, try to try to become and grow, grow into a well-rounded individual. And, and that's kind of where I, you know, like <laughs> hopefully, pride myself in being that person as well so yeah um, so who yeah, are those cool. people for you would it have been peter you know like sep and raf like who are the guys you yeah looked up i mean growing up? those were essentially the three and it was funny because i had um first i when i was about 12 i think i moved next door to raf so uh-huh. i had raf right when i started getting into surfing which was about that age raf was my neighbor and i was just like he was like a god you yeah. know like <laughs> And, and he, you know, he taught me how to like do ding repair and he brought me out on the boat to, to some of the secret spots when I was a teenager. And like, he kind of was like giving me those, you know, really special opportunities that now I look back and I'm like, damn, they like, that was so cool of him to yeah, do that. Really. Um, cause you know, my mom didn't have any money we didn't have a boat we didn't get to travel like all these things are like that's a huge thing in the development of of a kid going surfing yeah. so he he did a lot and then i kind of started hanging out with his brother sap a bunch and we surfed together like from when i was like 15 to 18 we surfed a ton together and like I still think a lot of my surfing, like like the actual surfing itself came from Sep's style, like mm. trying to emulate his backside and like, you know, trying to take bits and pieces from all three of those guys really about, yeah. you know, because they were head and shoulders above all the surfers. And then around 19 and 20, I started traveling with Peter a lot. And we kind of ever since have been really more or less best friends and, and travel together a ton. So he's been the guy, obviously, who's brought Canadian surfing to the highest level. And yeah. I think, you know, always trying to basically more or less just keep up, you know, and, and, and learn and grow from, from what he's done and, and, uh, you know, just kind of follow in the footsteps a little bit, but also put your own twist to things. Yeah. So I can see that you're full of gratitude. I really like that. That resonates with me as well. And, uh, how did you, when you were growing up surfing, did you ever think like, this is crazy. Like I'm living in Canada. Like how fortunate am I to be in Canada and surfing? Like you said, there's only a handful of places that that's even possible in Canada. Were were you aware of that? Yeah. I, I guess I've become more aware of it as I aged. When I was a kid, I don't think I realized like, Hey, 
no other kid in this entire country can hop on their bike after school, ride to the beach and go surfing every day. There's not one. Even in Nova Scotia, you know, you don't have the waves every day. Most kids don't live close enough to the beach to even do that. The winters are way too cold to be a a 13 year old to go do that on your own. So there's all these variables that just no other zone has except for Fino. So at the time, I don't think I realized that was like the reason Tofino was producing pro surfers. Um, And it it literally is like there's, you know, Nico Manos has kind of made it happen out there and and he made some money from surfing and and kudos to him but like he's the only guy i I can think of and i guess logan sorry logan landry too like that we're able to to get anywhere with sponsorships and stuff because it's just you don't have the consistency that tofino has and that's consistency is what breeds the ability right so yeah i definitely didn't realize that that was such a a huge you know reason for it until later in life but um yeah looking back it's just like it was one of those things where you didn't need a coach you don't need a field you don't need a, a time you just get to be on your own and if you're dedicated you can put as many hours as as you possibly want into it um and i don't think i did that with the mentality of oh i'm gonna be pro someday it was just like oh i want to be friggin' better than my buddy or better than i was yesterday you know and and i i've always been a competitive guy and an athletic guy and i think it just lent itself well to the kind of sticking with it and then all of a sudden when i was kind of finishing up high school i was like oh you know i have sponsors i'm making a little bit of money and it just kind of like slowly kept progressing kept progressing but i think if you asked 15 year old me you know what i was going to be doing at 31 there's no freaking chance i would have said i was going no. to go surfing still like n- no chance yeah so at the uh you know tofino high school job fair is there a booth for pro surfing <laughs> there better be now maybe i'll maybe i'll be the one starting it and the teachers yeah. can just hate my guts <laughs> yeah yeah go rep <laughs> Present, you know, ISA or Team Ten or something. Yeah. You know what though? It's it's cool to see the community realizing that there is a lot of opportunity in the surf world. And whether you become a professional or not, there's still a lot of jobs that surround the surf industry and uh and the tourism kind of aspect that goes with that. So I think probably more and more parents and, and teachers are realizing that hey, they're not just like chasing some silly dream. Like it's a it's a real thing. And and hopefully guys like Peter and I can show them that hey like you can make a living and yeah. it, you know it's it's a t- hard one but it can be done yeah yeah i mean when i go to tofino i love it and i love the all the natural resources there especially but i still feel like in 30 years from now if i go there i feel like it's there's still lots of room right like you have aftanis there shaping like there's different things but there's still like like you're saying, there's probably going to be more industry coming in and, and more opportunities. I'm pretty excited to see what that could look like for Canada, as long as they also keep the sustain the purity of that place too, right? And never lose the essence of the nature there and everything. Yeah, that's the hard one already. Like I think of right away, my mom's like a prime example. She moved here in the 80s because she wanted to be in nature away from everything. And now that's becoming a less like less and less achievable thing to do around here the yeah. beaches are almost always busy there's still a couple like little secret hidden gems that you're willing to to hike a trail or take a boat or something you can get to them but you know it's not what it was and for her her job doesn't revolve around tourism at all so she gets frustrated often like mm-hmm. her little slice of paradise is slowly getting invaded yeah. but at the same time nobody owns anything and i try to remind her that everyone else has just as much right to yeah. uh, to her little beach as, as she does so it's but yeah it's nostalgia and it's like that's human nature right try to protect what was once something 
something special or, or maybe still is. And there's there's a, a fine line that you tread, right? And, and yeah. you know, making someone or something your own and 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 respecting the land or just being a dick about it and, and yeah. telling people to screw off. Like that's not where we're at either. So well yeah. and, and right now, you know, I noticed driving into Tofino, you know, the the indigenous communities there, you know, normally relations are, are fairly okay, I think, but you could obviously you could feel the tension there with that big sign on the way in. I forget what it said, like go home I think it just or, says, or don't no come visitors. in. Or, yeah. No yeah. visitors. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Which I, at uh, the end of the day, I, I got to say, I kind of don't blame anyone for putting that when you have a hot one little hospital for the five communities. Like it, it's tense. It's a really unprecedented time. Totally. Yeah. No, it's it, it's that realization of what these communities would be up against if something did actually like if we experienced a, a breakout like this, just the infrastructure here compared to the amount of people that are visiting, it's just, it would be yeah. absolute chaos. So it, it is good to at least like realize, realize that. Um, and I think in general, like you could apply that logic to almost everything here. Like people kind of tend to come here and leave their brains at home because it's their holiday. And, mm, you know, yeah. that's fine. Like it's, I get it. You know, I do it the same way. Like if I'm in Whistler for two days, it's like, oh, and we're partying, like fuck everything. You know, like, yeah, yeah. but you just have this like blatant kind of disrespect of your, of your land and, and town and, and yeah. this place you cherish so much. So it becomes really hard to watch sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what breeds that protective kind of feeling that, you know, I said my mom had or, or a lot of the locals have. It's like you see so much disrespect of the land itself by those types of people who are just on holiday and they're probably good people, but they're just not thinking. Yeah. And it gets really frustrating and, and unfortunate. And I think, again, it's like trying to make sure, you know, come enjoy, have your fun. But like when there's beer cans on the beach from the night before or that kind of shit, you're just like, dude, yeah. figure it out. Like that's yeah. so not sweet. You I know? think often when you go on vacation, like you're saying, you sort of forget that it's somebody's home. Totally. And Tofino's yeah. like the most prime example. I think of yeah. that than maybe anywhere. Like there's only really two to 2,000 of 2,500 permanent residents, I think. Mm, yeah. So you are like, oh yeah, no one actually lives here. But it's like, no, yeah. people do actually live here and we have to put up with waking up to piles of garbage and cans and junk on the beach from your little rave the night before or like, you know, shitting on the high tide line or whatever. Like, uh, yeah. like just stuff that's so lame, right? They, yeah, you, yeah. you wouldn't go and do it in anyone else's yard, but you forget that people do actually reside here yeah so um and also i want to go back to that uh you know the uniqueness of being a canadian surfer as well and what's that like how does the world perceive you like when you're out at these tours and things and i'm noah cohen i'm the canadian surfer guy what do people think of of you or what do they imagine the surf scene looks like for us yeah yeah i mean it, i think recent years it's been helped by especially by Pete, like getting a lot more notoriety and, and winning that Coldwater Classic, I feel like was a huge one in 2010 where it was like, okay, there, you know, there's like legitimately good surfers in Canada, not just like, oh, he's good for Canadian or good for like one of those kind of oh, like okay. fringe nations, right? So that was really an amazing step, I think, in like gaining recognition on an ability scale. Um, but yeah, there's still like, even I'm blown away, even in the US, you go and people are like, oh, you're from Canada, but where did you learn to surf so well? And you're like, uh, do you, have you looked at a map recently? Like yeah. the coastline, the coastline doesn't end at Northern Washington, which yeah. is like, that's classic American geography 101, I think. Yeah, but yeah. it it's funny to see how little people literally just look at a map and realize, oh, there's a like, huge amount of coastline on Vancouver Island and all we do in the North Pacific is get Westwell after Westwell after Westwell. Yeah. What do you think happens? Like it, 
I don't know. For me, as as a a traveling surfer, I'm so often looking at maps and being like, oh, that country looks like it could be good, or this place looks like it could be good. And it's like, it's funny to me to see people that have surfed their whole lives that have no like kind of thought processes to to that at all. So, well, I um, think even in the US, that I think the Pacific Northwest is even sort of has a stigma attached to it, or a lot of people wouldn't realize people are surfing out of, you know, Oregon and Washington. Yeah. I guess temperature wise, people just assume if it's cold no one surfs maybe too. Yeah. um but now the wetsuit's like seriously i those like rip curl flash bomb they uh, they actually make a six four heat seeker now and i like i oh, wow. paddled out nova scotia and like minus 20 and i swear to god i was warm like yeah. you can you can be geared up for everything these days and it just allows you to, to surf in these nations that you previously might have been like oh yeah iceland's beautiful but no thanks yeah, yeah. so it's cool and yeah i, I think i think it, i would say peter going back to the question peter's probably done so much and the Brewer brothers too you know like that that kind of mainstream magazine exposure slowly but surely shows people what's what's going on up here but it yeah. it is cool like it's cool to meet someone and you know saying you're from Canada as opposed to maybe the states on an international level they're usually a lot more warm and kind and and excited to to chat with you and you hear your story as opposed to being like oh I'm from Santa Cruz you know like okay. so I, I think I've experienced a lot of that where people literally think you're American and are kind of standoffish and then find out you're Canadian and are super kind oh, so it's a lot yeah. like the travelers that like stitch the Canadian flag on their bags even though they're American <laughs> so, yeah yeah gotcha <laughs> um, you know Canadians are kind of they have this like synonymous vibe with kindness and, and yeah. politeness so I think I think that applies in the surf industry as well and hopefully uh, when you are traveling as a Canadian surfer people are like oh, you know he's respectful yeah. or, or whatever you're, you're giving a good name to the nation yeah right on um, so speaking of you know surfing in unique places I was talking to Larry Cabero and it sounds like did you do some Great Lakes surfing? Dude, Larry's the biggest legend ever yeah <laughs> I he's love pretty that rad, eh? yeah. he makes me feel like a bitter old man already somehow <laughs> <laughs> he's just so stoked always yeah such a such an epic dude um yeah i had the pleasure of, of surfing with him twice when i was out in uh in ontario this year we we premiered our our new film the follow-up to so transition volume two we did uh we did a, a screening in toronto with the with the surf the greats guys with lucas and antonio oh. and then we went up the next day to collingwood and did a screening up in collingwood and got a surf in jordan bay uh sorry in georgia bay the first day or the second day and then we went back to the city and surfed the following day and at I think at the bluffs, maybe Scarborough bluffs or something. Yep. And uh, Larry took us out that day. And yeah, it was pretty cool to experience the the great lake scene. And, and literally like on a, on a four day surf trip to surf twice to the lakes. I was like, damn, I wish I brought my board. And like, I, I was borrowing equipment and stuff. But okay. I wish I came more prepared because I had no idea that we we're actually going to get like proper waves, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was a, a good experience to, uh, to kind of just meet everyone and, and get to share some waves. Was there anything about that experience that you thought, well, this is totally different than I'm used to or or something um, that really stood out. That day at the Bluffs, there was like a pretty steep hill to drive out. I, I'm sure you probably surfed out there a fair bit. Um, but it doesn't seem like a steep hill until there's snow all over it. And it had snowed like six inches while we we're in the water, uh, just like blizzarding. So my buddy who had driven me there, he had like a two-wheel drive, like work van. He couldn't get up the hill. And then my flight was leaving in like three hours. And then Larry just was like, get in the car. We're driving the air. Like, I'll take you. I'll take you. So he's like, <laughs> He throws me in his car. We're both still in our wetsuits. It's like dumping snow. Yeah. Um, he charges up the hill. Like he's wearing like a poncho over his wetsuit or whatever. Just like, oh, no, no worries. I'll drive you. And the airport's like an hour and a half away. Like yeah. so out of his way. Yeah. So he charges to the airport. And then like halfway there, there's the car in front of us go 
supposed to change lanes, like hits the car beside him and they like spin out. And there's like a car accident, like basically like in our like 10 feet in front of us. He somehow like swerves into the like, uh, like the essentially like the shoulder of the, the five lane highway, somehow dodges it. And he's like, we got hit, I think <laughs> just a little bit on the taillight. Like okay. it was completely their fault. That was so gnarly, like full wow. like snowstorm Ontario driving. Like we yeah. don't get that out here either. So yeah. that was pretty unreal. We got nudged, but he's like, no time, no time. We keep going. <laughs> like, getting, I was like, dude, I don't care about my flight. Like it's chill, whatever. Wow. And, and just like charged me the airport, somehow got me there on time. And then, of course, my flight was delayed like eight hours because it was so slow oh, anyway. So it didn't freaking matter. Yeah. But there was a pretty insane, like, talk about a memorable day of Canadian surfing. Like, that was pretty much it in a nutshell. Yeah. So, the um, urgency, snow. Oh, my God. oh that's It awesome. was so unreal. Yeah, such a cool day, though. And, and again, like, Larry just kind of champed it and was like, no, we're going. We're doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, so he was the so first so. guest I've had on this podcast. And, man, he's been a champion for me ever since. I can't wait to meet him in person when I move back to Ontario here shortly. And, oh, uh, he's, yeah, he's one of the first people I'm going to be visiting because I broke my I broke my longboard, like, in Tofino just, you know, two weeks ago. So, yeah, snapped right in half, like two feet down from the nose. No so, way. Yeah, so I'll be I'll be taking that to him. He says he can fix it up. So uh, I thought you were going to say he's going to make you a new one. I was like, oh, that's dope too. <laughs> well, actually, I just did uh, make a sort of replacement at this place called Hidden Village Surfcraft in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah, I shaped my own board. That was pretty rad. Very so cool. I do have, have a backup. I haven't written it yet, no. Yeah, it was, it was being um, painted while I was in Tino, so. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So, um, you know, obviously you grew up in Tofino and things, but how did you actually get introduced to surfing or begin surfing? Um, it was funny. I, when I was a kid, uh, I have a twin brother and we got in this fight around five years old and we're playing at the beach in this little river and he, he dunked me and like held me underwater. He's a lot bigger than me, even though we we're twins. And he, uh, he basically just held me underwater to the point where like, you know, I was coughing and choking and like thought I was going to drown, whatever classic kid thing. And, and, uh, I just was so turned off the, the water from that. Like I, I didn't learn how to swim until I was about 10 years old. I used to have to like get my mom to write me notes to not go to swim class. Like I just hated wow. the water. Okay. And, uh, and we were always at the beach and they would go swim and I just like literally kick it on the sand and like not even go near it. Wow. And, uh, yeah, finally, I think around 10 or 11, my friends were always boogie boarding and my mom's like, you just, you gotta, you know, like figure it out. You gotta go. Cause you're yeah. living here. You can't not like the water. Living yeah, here. Yeah. You know, it's just, so she finally, I think she kind of nudged me that way. And my friends were kind of getting me to come and I just started boogie boarding with them. And, and one of them had their grandma lived on the beach and, and there was like some surfboards under the house. And I hopped on a surfboard one day while they're all boogie boarding and just was like oh this is like way sicker <laughs> i'm gonna do this instead and and yeah. it actually was something that i remember like being a bit of a bummer for a while because they would be in this like little pack like frothing little you know 12 year olds out the back on boogie boards just getting like annihilated and like big airdrops and stuff and and i was on the whitewater on the inside learning how to stand up and like not really part of the like group fun you know mm, okay. so i remember being a kid and being like oh this is like i'm missing out on all these uh, like friendship times but at the same time i knew that surfing was i wanted to to get good at yeah. so i like kind of remember even then it was like this sacrifice of like social time to learn mm. how to surf and i feel like that's been a freaking bait of my existence 
existence still to wow. this day yeah. the social sacrifice that you make to continue improving at surfing and um, you know it does allow you obviously a ton of great things but you do put a lot of life on the back burner to you know the amount of hours that you spend in the ocean to get to this level of surfing it's or anything i guess but yeah. you know it definitely like definitely eats a lot of normal life away so i, I yeah. think when people say oh you know you worked hard for it like, you don't realize you're working hard for this goal but i think that's kind of you know you're just sacrificing a lot i think yeah um, yeah because it's like you said you're not out there on a soccer field yelling at your buddies this is very much can be very individual for sure and everyone has their own way of of doing it too like some people are like they have a coach and they, they do a ton of video review and they you know since they were little kids that's been the lifestyle um whereas for me when i was young i just was like out there doing what felt good and be like okay today i want to learn how to do an air and just like try 100 airs you know like yeah. whereas now it's like everyone's kind of a lot more structured and and which is great for ability but it, it definitely takes a little bit of the, the unique kind of individual flavor out of it sometimes and, and you see it in people surfing where you're like oh that that kid definitely had a coach when he was young or that kid didn't you know yeah. um and there's yeah there's no right or wrong it's just like changing with the times like everything else i guess nice and so forgive my ignorance a bit here but when it comes to the you know competitive side and, and team canada and all those things i don't always know every little piece of that so i'm wondering where you stand with the uh you know quest for the olympics and then the fact that the olympics aren't even happening yeah. right now what, what's <laughs> going on yeah what does that look like for you um yeah i mean it was funny because it was like the most asked thing like that's all anyone talked about for the entire year and then suddenly it was like oh just kidding <laughs> yeah. not doing them you know so it's it kind of funny yeah. um unfortunately the way the qualification works as a nation there's three three surfers of each gender per nation get to go to the isa games and compete for an olympic spot um there's only 20 spots per gender for those games so qualification alone was going to be like absurdly challenging mm. achievable but but really hard and the top 10 spots for those games come off the world tour so really there's only about 10 spots left for the surfers that aren't already on the world tour i.e us um to unlock so it's a it, it was going to be a bit of a mountain anyways unfortunately i didn't get on the canadian national team for the men's side is pete DeVries, and the other two are are shane campbell and cody young and they're both surfers who grew up in uh, Australia and Hawaii, but have Canadian citizenship. Okay. So, so Pete's the only like hometown, uh, well, I don't even know, born and bred Canadian yeah. to be on that men's side. And then the, the similar similar story with the women, Matea was the only one who made the women's team. And the other two are are from Hawaii and California. Again, have Canadian passports, Canadian parents. Um, I think Paige uh, Alms, who's a big wave world champion, amazing, amazing jaw surfer. She, I think, may have been born on Vancouver Island and then they were, the family moved to Maui when she was young. Um, okay. But it's been, it's, it's kind of classic Olympic year happenings where all these countries are basically just scrounging for athletes that have citizenship and, and trying to provide their nation with the strongest team they possibly can. So I think a lot of people are like expecting me to be really pissed off. Like, oh, I lost the Canadians that weren't Canadian. Oh, okay. But in a sense, it's like we all had equal opportunity to be good surfers. And I, for me, I'm just like, I should have freaking beat one of them and I didn't. So yeah. that's kind of my outlook. Um, but yeah, it's a bummer, of course, because okay. if it was if it was like, you know, the hometowners only, you, you kind of back in the chances a little bit more. But um, yeah, so unfortunately, I won't be going to the Olympics if they happen when they happen okay. yeah. um but yeah hopefully one at least one of any of our team members get to go because it's going to be a pretty huge pretty huge occurrence 
for yeah. surfing. So, yeah, um, for sure. yeah, hopefully, hopefully Peter can be that guy. Yeah, definitely. And it could still be in the cards for you down the road. I'm sure there's, yeah, there's another games in four years in, yeah. in France. And I think they're going to do that one at Chopu, apparently the, the surfing uh, side, which is, which is pretty crazy. And to be honest, there's a lot of room, you know, I, I'm, I'm good friends with Dom, who's the, the president of the Canadian surfing association. And there's a lot of other stuff and, and needs within surfing in Canada that I feel like I could lend a hand to. And, you know, whether it's mentorship or, or help Shannon with coaching or help Dom with the presidency itself, it's mm. stuff that like, if I, if I really do want to be a part of, you know, the CSA, the Canadian Surf Association, there's plenty of opportunity to do so, even if it's not as an athlete. So I'm, I'm definitely grateful for that to be around too. And of course I care of, uh, you know, about seeing the, the younger surfers get more and more opportunities to make a splash on the world stage as well. Yeah, nice. Right on, man. Well, we're, we're coming up to an hour here, but before I let you go, just a couple last couple questions I like to ask people. And that is, you know, when you're not surfing, what else are you stoked about? Um, well, this time of year when the sun's out, um, just trying to get outside a ton, hike, enjoy, you know, BC has such incredible, like, stuff to do outside hang in the lake i actually uh one of my good friends chris rasman he's a, a personal worries in town he's really into foiling so okay. he's been doing a lot of a lot of foiling like he'll paddle out on his board and catch waves and, and foil in the lineup so he took me to the lake we brought my jet ski to the lake the other day and and he uh attempted to teach me how to to get up on a foil which okay. was a freaking insanely humbling experience really such yeah. a hard thing to do wow. um i was horrible at it but i did eventually like manage to literally spend like you know, five seconds on the foil and, and nice. feel that feeling. And it was pretty incredible. So hopefully I get to do more of that with him. Um, yeah. How like did that said, differ from, uh, how did that differ from riding a board? Dude, it's like not even the same at all. No. <laughs> like, okay. it, other than standing sideways, it's like, cause if yeah. surfing, you spend so much, you're on your back foot a lot and every, every motion kind of begins off the back foot on the foil. If you're on the back foot, the thing just lifts and then wheelies and then like flies in the uh, air. So the weight forward kind of keeps the foil in the water mm. and the adjustments are so minute like your ankles move like this much and your board's just like you know it's wow. it's really getting a feel to like feather this foil in, in the water and there's just so much going on at the beginning yeah. too even just getting to my feet took me like 15 minutes to learn how to do it was hard yeah. um it, it definitely you know was like i said one of the most incredibly humbling learning curves that i've yeah. experienced i think too because you you go out with the like ideology of like oh, i'm a surfer i should get this yeah. um but uh no was cool and i had another another snowboarder robin was with us too and he was learning as well and at least he was he had done it once so he was already a bit better than me but it was nice to have someone like who wasn't exceptionally good like chris is you know yeah um i know that but yeah <laughs> yeah totally it was cool though and and i think just learning something of that degree is so good for your brain and body and getting that like mind and body connection going on yeah. um so yeah i hopefully get to do more of that and then yeah just camping hiking you know anything kind of like fitness related i'm always interested in um yeah just just enjoying life and and staying stoked like you said right on yeah man that sounds perfect yeah i'm in all that too the camping and everything um it's funny you know i've been going to tofino for the last 12 years and i'd say you know in the earlier days it was you know just surfers and then the next year i go and oh that's interesting there's these stand-up paddle boards now and people are surfing on those and you know and then uh, 
every year I've seen that grow. And then eventually I started doing a bit of that too. So I've, you know, added that to my quiver as well. And then this year, yeah, it was the first time I saw somebody actually riding a wave on a file on a foil board. I was totally blown away because I didn't notice them paddle out or I didn't see anything yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, that's funny. It probably was my friend. He, he was here oh, a couple really? weeks ago as well. And he's like the only dude I've seen like paddle foiling. There's a SUP foiler that I've seen around and then Chris oh, on okay. like a normal shortboard foil. And that's literally it so far that I've seen. So yeah. um, high likelihood that that was my, my coach extra, extraordinaire from two days ago. Yeah, right on. Well, I know yeah. with the e-foils, they say that you want to learn how to fly. Like they can, they, they compare it to flying. Like it feels like flying. Yeah. So apparently those are way easier too. I actually really, greatly okay. regret I had an opportunity to try one um, that Chris was out with a Travis and a couple of snowboarders before and Travis had one and he was like, oh, take it for a spin. I was like too scared to do it. And now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, I wish I learned then because it's just like you make it so much easier for yourself the next yeah. time you actually try to do it on a normal time. So last year I had a student that I was teaching uh, advanced flat water sub skills too and he ended up getting an e-foil and so we had lined it up and i was going to go out with him and i was going to get to try it out as well and everything but he was zipping around on this thing out in false creek in vancouver and he actually got it confiscated by the coast guard because no. there's yeah because apparently there's no laws or infrastructure put in place in um transport canada there's no guidelines around e-foils right so it would be probably probably comparable to when the introduction of jet skis came in, you know, yeah. there'd have to be something around that. So yeah, he actually got it confiscated. I'm not sure whatever happened. I pray to God he got it back because that's a $15,000 investment. Yeah. Those things are so expensive. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. This Damn. is one of the, the, the lift ones, which I think is, you know, the higher end of those. Cause I think Laird Hamilton's involved with them and whatnot. As yeah. Well, so. Yeah. Those lift ones I've, I'm told Chris said that too. The lift ones are like, the best ones going yeah yeah so so covid has also kept us you know indoors a lot as well have you been watching anything cool or or reading anything cool uh yeah a lot of reading at the beginning for sure um and definitely reading's been one of those things the last couple of years I've been trying to like make sure I do more of. I, I read a lot as a kid and like my mom always read to us as small children. So I feel like books have always been far more normal than, than TV for us. And okay. um, yeah, it's been really nice to like, you know, on a Friday night at 6 p.m. find yourself in bed reading rather than rather than worrying about what your friends are doing because, you know, they're not doing squat. Anyway, I mean, yeah. now that's changing. But those first months or two, like when it was still dark early too, I, I did a ton of reading then. And it was, yeah, it was a nice change of pace. Um, as far as TV, I wa I've been watching Waco the last like week, <laughs> nice. which is pretty sick. I went to the wave pool in Waco last year too. So it was kind of cool to like, you know, see the town and, and then see this and be like, well, yeah, this kind of makes sense for the vibe down there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank God you were. <laughs> yeah. yeah going in the Dude, wave pool during those events oh my god that's a heavy documentary right there highly that, recommended though very good that, oh did you watch not, the, not not sorry not documentary but based based on the yeah movie. yeah <laughs> you watched the the dramatized version yeah, yeah yeah i watched that too that was pretty epic and um you know it was interesting because i don't know if uh what's the guy's name jared koresh koresh david koresh yeah. david koresh yeah they really made him to be a character that you empathize 
apologized for. I know, and- I know. That's what I thought too. I was like, "There's no freaking way that he was the guy." Like, you almost start feeling for him in a lot of. Yeah, the- yeah. And like, you're kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. Yeah, because we can't forget about the abuse to women and and things like that that he was doing, right? And the sexual coercion. But um, but man, it was pretty heartbreaking. And the scenes with the you know the tear gas at the end, it was like, oh my god, so irresponsible. And it just rings really true today with the whole Black Lives Matter, you know, movement. It's like, it just seems like when it's in the interest of the government or the police, it's okay to do, right? But no, it's flat out wrong. Like, innocent for people sure. die for no reason. For yeah. sure. And that's, I mean, that's a good example of a story that probably had, you know, some evil on both sides, but it definitely yeah. is interesting to see how they painted the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Cool show. Yeah. Pretty heavy, but cool. And uh, what's the book? Anything that you're reading that's really cool? Um, I've read a couple, like, <laughs> I don't want to get too sentimental, but there's a couple more, like, kind of spiritual-sided books. Like, I mean, I'm reading Eckhart Tolle right now, but I read one called uh, Letting Go by David Hawkins, and it's it's pretty cool, man. I'd, I'd definitely recommend it to, yeah, I'm sure you'd be interested. Like, it, nice, yeah. it, it kind of allows you to take a pretty, like, introspective look at the way you perceive things and, and think about life and, and really, really just, like, strip everything down and, and like, find happiness and, and small things and, and realize again like you talk about empathy like realize what other people are going through and why why they're behaving certain ways and and basically just try to yeah try to be passionate and and understanding of every single person's individual scenario so i think that's been really cool reading to like you know it, it kind of simplifies a lot of things and it allows you to say hey look like guy that just cut you off in traffic and then yelled at you like might have lost his mother yesterday like yeah. that's an extreme example yeah. but like we're all going through a lot of things and and i think it's it's a really good way to kind of remember to interact like you don't know anyone's story no um, that's a very very good way to live and yeah for sure um, and then know. some other some more fun books like I, I just read born to run that i think it's a pretty popular one a few years ago about the uh a tribe in mexico um Peramura, i think they're called they're like marathon ultra marathon runners in the mountains that run like barefoot and really cool like as a as an athlete really cool stuff um a lot of like you know sports kind of physiology stuff buried into a, an amazing story as well um wow. so that i would highly recommend if you if you haven't seen it, I think in the running community, it was like a super popular one. Um, cool, right on. I'm like literally looking at my bookshelf. Like, yeah. I read, I feel like they're all, they're all gone somehow, yeah, but, um, no problem. but yeah, those were a couple of favorites right from, from recently for sure. Right on. Yeah. I've been reading a lot of, uh, surf biographies, more of the, the legends that have come before us. I read uh, a book called Waterman, the Duke yep. Hanamoku story. Just cool. I've fantastic. seen it, but I haven't read it. Yeah. Just amazing learning the, you know, what he went through, especially you know being a, a man of color and whatnot and then i read a, a book called the surfer's philosophy about tom blake and then right now i'm reading a book i forget what it's called but it's a mickey dora biography oh is it is it just called the cat maybe uh, actually yeah, right there That's his nickname. yeah that, i've heard really good things no it's not called the cat it's called all for a few perfect waves oh yeah yeah his story is crazy hey it is, man. And I'd say that, you know, I'll take your attitude over his any day. He's, <laughs> it's a fun story to read, but this type of behavior would not fly today. Yeah, different different times. For different sure. times, yeah. But in terms of, you know, his style and, and what he brought to the sport, it's definitely, definitely pretty epic. And I think he also created sort of a 
an archetype in a way too for for surfing yeah for sure and and i mean those days and in, in california like that was the vibe that it's yeah. just like i like i said completely different time this one really good barbarian okay. days um, i've seen this all over the place but i don't yeah. know anything about it super super popular one but this guy you know basically an early surfer in the 70s that like one of the first people that got to surf cloud break um some really cool stuff in europe and Madeiras, like it, the island off portugal um yeah just and and early days in hawaii too just like such cool stuff to to hear about you know stuff that hi, historical stuff that i kind of never really knew anything about but it's so articulately written too like most of the the surf literature that you tend to read is like it's cool story but and it's not necessarily penned that amazingly and and yeah william finnegan like he just like such an amazing writer as well yeah nice so yeah highly oh, recommend. oh and you know during this covid thing the other thing i did i don't know it's for some reason it's missed my radar all these years i don't know how i never knew about it but the movie big wednesday i've never seen yeah sick yeah yeah that's like a classic I, i've been sure. watching point break my whole life yeah i had no idea that you know gary Busey, gary Busey. Point break that's like an easter egg you know <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah totally that's such a good call right there yeah. yeah maybe i might need to refresh on all those ones i'll do big wednesday point break point break two in god's hands that's a freaking classic in god's find hands. that one yeah that's yeah one i don't know either. is that yeah, like that a drama down. or is that a documentary style yeah i haven't watched in ages i can't even think of who's in it um um, yeah, it's a drama, I believe. I, I, I that seriously, I watched it when yeah. I was like ten years old. But nice, yeah. I think, uh, I think like Dorian maybe had some stunt double stuff in there. Probably oh, okay, Laird, cool. <laughs> the usual suspects. Yeah. <laughs> There's a movie where Laird Hamilton plays uh, like a real bully on the waves. I think it's called The North Shore. Or something. Yeah, The North Shore. That's like. Yeah. I feel like that was like the surf movie that you know. Yeah, that, the, that's probably what late '80s kind of thing. Yeah, that's on my list. That's on my to watch Dude, list as well. Hit that one before in god's hands that one's like a rite of passage sir okay i think yeah that one's the one for sure (laughs) right on man well dude it's been so awesome talking to you um before we let you go do you have anywhere you know anything to plug where people can connect with you or or check anything out um yeah i mean my instagram i guess is probably the best way to like follow what's what's happening it's uh cohen's corner c-o-h-e-n-s and then corner um and yeah it's mostly surf stuff but like i kind of mentioned earlier i try to try to like allow it to be a just like a real look into into my life what i'm interested in at, at the time and i know a lot of people like i get super nerdy on the food and fitness shit and i i think a lot of people probably i'm sure a lot of people are stoked on that but a lot of people don't give a shit at all and it's like yeah. kind of always funny you're trying to like juggle what what the people want um but at the end of the day i'm kind of like well screw you it's my page this is what i like if you don't like yeah. it then you can you can bounce so there might be more more non-surf related stuff than you care to see but yeah I'm sorry. That's the way it goes. That's cool, man. <laughs> what I've been learning, you know, through doing this podcast is you start to put yourself out there and what you think is just you, you start to learn is resonates with a lot of people. Like it's it's most people to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. but I think I think as humans, we just really we connect to people that are true to themselves, you know? And yeah, whether whether or not it's a subject that you think you care about, you can relate to someone who's who's just being honest and being true and 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 you know loyal to their own beliefs and, and ideologies and yeah. i think for me as i've gotten older i'm like i don't give a shit what, what anyone thinks anymore i know i'm putting my best foot forward as a person and and just kind of trying to you know, be be a transparent honest open guy that's right on man yeah and you're 31 that's awesome yeah. i'm 30
38. 30s rule, man. It just gets better. It just gets more comfortable and more like, this is me. I'm not worried about what you think. And if you think I'm cool, then then that's great. And it's, I think. If not, that's great too. We can can go our separate ways and I won't lose any sleep over it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As as long as the knees hold up, the 30s are great. Yeah, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Be careful with that ACL, dude. Yeah. Appreciate that, man. Good job. So it's going to be a while probably till I see in the waves at Tofino, but if you're ever around the Great Lakes, I'm going to be, you know, setting myself up along Lake Huron and, you know, getting reconnected into that whole scene and, and hoping to open up my own shop or whatever. So yeah, give me a shout, man, if you're ever in the area and we can hit up those uh, unsalted waves. Yeah, I'd love to get another another trip in there. I'd actually like to do more of a strike mission and like try to score some, some storms out there because I know my buddy Kevin Schultz did a trip and he surfed amazing ways. I think he was on the American side, but mm, surfed yeah. some amazing ways out there. And, and maybe he did some Canadian stuff too, actually. But it's cool to see how good it can get if you do yeah. actually plot out a little mission. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure that'll happen one of these one of these days in the winter here. Yeah, and you'll have to get to that you know real epic wave at uh, I think it's called Stony Point on Lake Superior. Yeah, that's where the real big one is. Keep that one in the back pocket. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, oh yeah. Right no, se- no secret yeah, yeah, spots yeah. revealed here. Se- yeah. Secret Great Lake spots. Yeah, yeah. All right, Noah. Thanks for being here, dude. It means so much to me, man, that you that you joined us on the show. Yeah, man. Cheers. Thank you. Right Appreciate on. it. Yeah. Mahalo and stay stoked. That's all for another episode of Permastoke. I hope you all enjoyed listening to that. Again, I want to say mahalo to Noah Cohen for his sharing. Man, he's a nice guy. Super humble and caring. I love talking to him. He's really generous. That was a a great conversation. And if you want to connect with Noah, you can find him on Instagram at Cohen's Corner. And be sure to check out the film Transition on Vimeo. And again, mahalo to the Planet Smashers and Stomp Records for allowing us to play Surfing in Tofino off their 1999 album, Life of the Party. And we want to say a big mahalo to Mark Malibu and the Wasagas for providing us with our intro music, Hey Chihuahua, from their 2009 album entitled Crash Monster Beach and our outro music, End of Summer, off their 2017 album, Return of the Wasagas. Be sure to check them out and download their music on iTunes today. And we especially want to say mahalo to all you listeners out there. We're so grateful that you chose to join us for this episode, and we look forward to providing you with even more awesome content in the future, because there are more episodes on their way. In the meantime, feel free to go back and listen to previous episodes. And if you enjoyed listening or watching the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review, and share with your family and friends over social media or by telling people about it. You can also watch the show by visiting our YouTube channel, Freshwater Surf Goods. To learn more about Freshwater Surf Goods and to check out our products and services, visit freshwatersurfgoods.com. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter to stay up to date on new products, events, our SUP and yoga schedule, and other exciting news. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Freshwater Surf Kids. 
We are currently in need of artists and graphic designers to help us out with new product designs for the brand. We need photographers to provide some great lakes in both East Coast and West Coast surf photography. We need musicians for music on the podcast. We want to make this a real community effort and have you all be a part of it. Or if you have an idea for collaboration, would like to recommend a future guest, would like to invite me to an event or book me to teach stuff or yoga, or if you or your company are interested in being a sponsor of the show, hit me up on social media or email me at Derek at freshwatersurfkids.com. That's Derek spelled the Viking way. No double R's or C's, just D-E-R-I-K at freshwatersurfkids.com. And finally, Freshwater Surf Goods, our sub school, Great Vibes Yoga, Meditation and Healing, and the Permastoke Podcast are all currently based out of Vancouver, BC, with the intention of relocating to the Great Lakes region. My preference is to move somewhere along the coast of Lake Huron between Cardin and Sauble Beach to get that good surf and be in the woods somewhere. But we are open to other coastal communities in Southern Ontario. If you have any advice on how I might bring my business there and get set up, I would be extremely grateful. Also, I understand that I may need to get a real job for a while, so my education and work background is primarily in Native community work, frontline emergency social service work, and coordinating both long-term and short-term nonprofit programs and projects. If you have any leads or suggestions around potential employment opportunities or relocation services, and how we might make the transition from the West Coast back to Ontario, it would be greatly appreciated. I look forward to next time and getting to know you all better. In the meantime, I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. Mahalo, freshies. Keep surfing and stay stoked.